So to me, that was fundamental. In other words, when I had to figure out how to do something, it had to be practical. Absolutely. Absolutely. I was going to throw in something that uh, when we were doing things practically, and that includes like backgrounds and uh, and uh, like we do so much scenery uh, digitally. Uh, I, I was talking to um, an actress, uh, Lisa Wilcox, the uh a couple of weeks ago and she was talking about how some of the scenes that we did on, uh, on, uh, nightmare Elm street four were, were done because all, all that was all pure scenery. I mean, everything was built and, and she would, uh, the, she was polishing knives, which was, were part of her, uh, her, she was a waitress and, and the knives, there was a spot on the wall where there was a shadow of the knives and she spread them out and made them look like Freddy's claw. And all of a sudden it became part of a big part of the scene. Right. Interesting. I like that. And the thing that was really cool about that was she says that would not happen the way that we do the primary, the way that we do a, a lot of our work today because we're standing in front of a, a, a screen or something like that. Um, and you're right. It changes if you're standing there compared to, you know, how you put it on a storyboard. It, it's a vast difference. Also to make that kind of a statement and put it on the film and immortalize it on the film. Today, the mindset is, no, 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 we will make commitments in post. We'll make that decision of how it is and how it appears on the wall. And everything is done with <laughs> deferring any real decision until post. Wasn't that, I, the, wasn't that the big joke back in the day? We'll fix it in post, yeah. right? <laughs> Knowing which meant never. Never. What, that was the subtext of that. Now, the irony, the paradox is that it really means we'll fix it, it right, in post. Right. It's, it's really the funny. truth now. Instead uh, of a, a, I instead of a cynical quip. Right. It's the <laughs> truth. <laughs> that is so – it used to be a joke and now it's – Now it's on – Now it's the truth. Now it's on the notes. <laughs> now it's on the notes, uh, the camera notes. <laughs> Fix this in post. <laughs> exactly. uh, Just, you know, a lot of people have contempt for that. For me, I don't have a problem with it. All the modern age conveniences. Now, I'll admit, deferring – commitment till a later time is a little cowardly, a little cowardly. But the thing is to use that time and use the opportunity to be able to iterate and reiterate to make a better product. That's the now, only thing I'll say that redeems that idea. Let that, me, let me throw uh, something at you though, because I have been thinking about this, that as you put it, as you, we were talking to 
what, a couple of weeks ago. And I want to throw something out at you that may not be better in a way. How about a, a physical effect? Which, well, no, we still use, I've been, I've been doing a lot of big spectacle unit stuff like, uh, fate of the furious and King Kong doing stuff practically is still in vogue very much, but it's sort of a, you know, a bastardized version. Of course it is. It's a hybrid version, but so it, you know, that's the thing. It doesn't uh, turn its nose up at practical. So it's combined. Yeah, but, well, the th- thing is that you were working on a Fast and the Furious, which, uh, which would, uh, in, it would work really hard to heighten the, uh, the practical effect. But, it isn't always that well balanced. Right. You're saying that it's all at visual effects. Well, I, I'm just saying from one show to the other uh, that there are there are shows that I, if I had to throw an example out there, I would say. Uh, the uh, Marvel film um, with Thanos in it. The, the Avengers, the, the Avengers, the the difference between the first one or, or the, the two that uh, that had Thanos in it, the difference between the first one and the last one was seemed to be that there was a visceral feeling to the to the last one, probably more of an uh, of an attempt at bringing uh, practical some practical effects back into it, which were lacking in the first one, mm-hmm. uh, making making the last one much better to my eye. Interesting. Uh, I didn't see the the very last one, but I did see that first one, and I remember thinking, "Wow, this is too much digital for me." Right. I, exactly. Well, that's I appreciate what I, that's it, what... but it's. I, <laughs> but, it's that's right. It was too much digital. I mean, you know, it, it by the top, but when they did the last one, I they, didn't. they, cha- they, uh, they kind of changed the balance a little bit. Well, you picked okay. my interest now. Now I'm going to go, but definitely see that. Yeah. I'm going to have to, uh, so, um, so, but one of the contentions that you were saying is that, that definitely getting away from the old 35 millimeter, uh, uh, format and, and getting into the um, getting into the digital has been such a boon uh, that there's no reason to watch something on 35 millimeter or to particularly to make it on 35 millimeter. Definitely not. I'm a, a staunch proponent of not shooting 35. I mean, that's just such a laundry list of pros for digital. And there's no pros for film, none. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, and I have to ask this: Is are you a fan of using the older lenses? Well, my thing is, all technology is to serve a purpose. When an artist comes along and decides they want to create a cinema art, 
they look at all the options and say, what are the tools? So getting back to lenses, what's happened with sensors is, and I'm not sure you're aware of this, but they're getting bigger. Because, yes. Okay. So that means all those old lenses will not cover because they're bigger than 35. Right. So well, the, those old they, lenses can't, you know. They're being re, they're being reconfigured. Yeah. The, to the cover glass, that. Yeah. To cover, to cover the. But it's the, a blow up and it's an optical. It's a it take it's a bigger hit. It's not really the same voice. What you think of as voice of a lens. And I really do believe. And that's why the whole concept of looking at lenses, having a voice, which I agree with. Everyone loves the old super Baltars, the old cooks. They're right. But it wasn't just the lens. It was a combination of the lens with the film at that blow up ratio. You take it, that same lens that won't cover a large digital format, put some kind of an optical interface in it to blow it up to fit onto the larger format, then put it onto digital, it's not quite the same thing. So again, I wouldn't say it's not a good thing to do, but test and make sure that the voice that you want to use is the voice that's right for your material. Right. We're art, that's... We're, we're art and crafts people. We do yes. art craft. And so yes. whatever the craft is, whatever the tool is, make sure it's, it's expressing. Don't just be obsessed with the tool for the tool's sake. Yeah, no, well, I, I have, uh, I, I worked on, uh, I worked on a film recently and when we, when we first started, uh, and I was working with a bunch of people who had just hardly ever done anything before. And, uh, when we first started, everything was crisp, was incredibly crisp. And I said, you know, we need to go back and, uh, we need to be able to have our backgrounds out of focus <laughs> because that crispness was too uh, stark. So we, it was stark. it was stark, yeah. Especially for horror films. I mean, it was like horror films at night yeah, it where took you took away the suspense. Uh, that's right. You, yeah. So I get it, and uh, you're absolutely right. That so, and that's what you should be looking at: the expression, the voice. You were looking for a different voice. You didn't want the news. You wanted uh, creepy narration visually. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah>. Exactly. <laughs> that's, tr that's true. So um, uh, can, can I go back and, and talk about maybe a couple of things that you and I did together? Sure, sure, sure. Let's okay. So we, we went back. Uh, the first thing that we did together would have been um, The Hidden. Right? No, no, oh. no, no, no. We did um, Quiet Cool. Yes. Oh my goodness. Uh, way back in the day. <laughs> it's not a well-known. It's not a well-known film, but you know it does have some distinction to it. If you remember, one of the lead antagonist was Nick Cassavetes as an actor. Right. Right. Before his directorial career. Right. And uh, it was great. I remember him distinctly. He was a very cool guy because I knew <laughs> I, his father and was familiar with his father's work. Anyway, right, right. Yeah. So that that was a lot of uh, a lot of night shoots. 
a lot of uh, <laughs> we, you 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 guys did something that I thought was so funny uh, that that worked so well. Uh, we were working in a uh, we had built a camp uh, right. up on a piece of property. And uh, I can't think of the name of your key grip. Um, Alan, Alan Goodenough. Alan, uh, uh, guy's crazy guy. Okay, but Al, Alan Goodenough, uh, they re, they these guys got up in the trees, <laughs> and they hired a tree uh, climbers to get three points in the three tallest trees that covered the entire area of the of this camp. So that they could move the moon around. <laughs> so using those as rigging points, they would move this enormous moonlight <laughs> all over the field. <laughs> the look was sensational, though. Oh, yeah, it was it was great looking. But you know, th this was in the d the days before. Uh, I mean, nowadays, I would imagine I I, I have actually seen uh, guys uh, lately uh, put a light in a drone. Oh, and my, go up wow. and put a drone up. And I was like, well, what the hell is that? Just say, oh, well, that's our nightlight. And I'm like, oh, my God. And it really worked. <laughs> I was shocked as hell. <laughs> yeah. So, no, they get it lit. And then they just, it's like, you know, roll lighting. And the drone takes off. He knows exactly right. where he needs to be. Right. He, for the two or three minutes that you need for the shot. Right. He's up there. Right. Yeah, that's that's all it needs to be, and uh, yeah, no, it, it it it's funny. It's it, it and through the nineties, the, the uh, so so anyway, I, I thought that that was great. I, the way that you, they rigged all all of that, um, and and good enough was such a character. The thing, uh, the thing to in fairness, the complexity of doing that rig was a little bit arcane. It was a little bit over the top. But remember the goal during the shooting, I could move anywhere in that place and shoot fast. Right. And that, oh, exactly. And that, so there's a, there was a purpose. It wasn't, you know, there was a dividend for the expense of all that labor and craziness. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and you have to and remember the look, that. And the look. And, and us in our department, we were doing the same crazy stuff because uh, I, I remember that we built a house to burn. Uh, and and, and I have never seen anything right. burn so freaking fast <laughs> in my life. Yeah, I remember that we, we, distinctly is you and I were standing there and we were talking about um, that we were going to do three burns. Right. And we were going to burn it a little bit and then we were going to put it out. And then, and then we were going to demo it a little bit, and then we were going to burn it down, and because we wanted three phases on it, right? right. And we, <laughs> of course, I didn't put any fire blocks in it. I did, and and it was made out of thinnest plywood in the world, and, and, just, and it just disappeared. <laughs> I, I remember that. I, I think that. Uh, we had a fire marshal there that said that we could only do, uh, we could only burn it for five minutes continuously. <laughs> and I remember that in three minutes plus, in three minutes, like 20 seconds or something like that, it was flat. <laughs> well, people don't realize behind the scenes, especially back then in low budget, you know, we were. 
you know, winging it. <laughs> yeah, winging it. We were winging it. Oh man, that that thing burned down so fast, so fast, and and we had a whole bunch of cameras on it, but it burned so hot that a couple of the cameras were literally they were just grabbing cameras and running. You know, they they got the beginning of it and then picked it up and like ran. <laughs> it was crazy, and we blew up a balsa wood. We blew up a huge balsa wood uh, cabin. Cabin, right? Yeah, sure. I remember blowing it up and the fireball and all the rest of that. We pulled a log through the. Uh, we pulled a log through one of the. Uh, That's right. The bunkhouse, right. right? These are all mechanical. These are all physical effects. Oh, physical effects. Yeah, Peter Chesney. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, uh, with uh, I think that they used a, a motor or something. Uh, a really hot winch to literally pull the log all the way through the, the building as the stuntmen, because uh, cameras and stuntmen were still in there and pulled it through the building as the bunk beds, they're falling back behind the log as they go by. <laughs> right. You know, something that just popped into my head about dealing with this stuff in the old days is you had to make sure every frame was clear and clean of cameras or things that can't be seen because it couldn't be fixed. They would ruin a shot. Right. Now, today, anything that's in the shot that's, you know, people, it's, it's like a gnat. It's like a mosquito yeah. <laughs> in the old days because they just paint it out and be done with it. So you can right. put, actually put cameras in the shot intentionally because you want that vantage point And it's a one shot deal on a physical gag on. Um, that is one of the things we do today contemporarily for right. physical effects where we've set something for three hours. It's only one shot. We put 13, 14 cameras on it. Half of the cameras are seeing other cameras and rigs right. and stuff. And no, we and don't just, care because it doesn't matter. Right. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> that's huge. So back in those well, days, I had a look and look and go and, you know. Oh, yeah. You only it, had one chance at it, you know. Yeah, And it, a lot of times we only had three cameras. So if you had it, if you lose a camera, whoa. Your Whoa, truck. yeah. And the cost of the cameras, you know, the cost of the cameras then no, compared I mean to the- not losing a camera. Technically, I'm talking about you lose the footage because oh, you didn't right. see something in the frame that ruins the shot and can't oh, be fixed. Yeah. Uh, how many huge. Uh, how many discussions did I hear about mics? A boom coming up in the middle of a shot or something. Actually, it depends. Some of those could be fixed because you can blow it up if it's in the edge of the frame. But some big glaring error in the middle of a frame, forget about it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, there there is still. uh, Have you have you noticed that the way that films are reframed from the eighties that. that you see a lot more, like for instance, in a film that we did together called The Hidden, um, there is a boom shot. There's a, a the girl goes through the um, the neon light, right? Yeah. And, and we did all that that work to like make the neon not fall with her, right? right. So, so uh, it was just it was just such a complicated rig, and and all the neon fell away to each side and she lands on the bag and in the i've seen a digital i've seen a, um, a digital playback of it recently 
and you see the bat, you see the bottom of the bag come up in the shot, and you see the the mic come across in the shot. Oh my god! I, I, like, I got to see that. <laughs> That's, yeah, you know, in this day and age, that shouldn't happen. That film was well, re- remastered. Uh, the hidden. Right, so, right but uh, you to know, hear it, that is disappointing. Yeah, but at the same time, is they are reframing. Like I, I was watching. You know, a lot of times I, for Dream Warrior Review, that's another podcast that I do. We uh, we watch old horror films, and one of the ones that we saw was um, Teen Wolf Two, and in it, there's you know that iconic scene where uh, Michael J. Fox is surfing on top of a van. Uh, there's. I- I don't remember that film, but go. Yeah, yeah, but he's surfing on top of the van, and now when you when you look at it, the shot from behind is him up on the van, and you just see the two cops riding on either side of him. You know, <laughs> it's like, oh, well, wait a minute, ridiculous. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. It was like, that come can't on, be guys. real. That can't be real. No, it? it's true. It's okay. really true. I, okay, I just well, all the that. listeners should go check. Teen I, Wolf I'm going to check on it. I, I, I'm curious to see that. It was uh, Teen Wolf, not the second one, the first one, Teen Wolf. Yeah. Oh, I thought you said Teen Wolf 2. No, well, I might have, but but it's yeah, the, first one. It's the, the first one. It's the first one. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then also my own film, The Hidden. I have to go look for. Uh, yeah, yeah. Right, right after she comes through the uh, glass and lands, uh, but but I might say that 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 was an incredible sequence. What in the hidden? In the hidden, yeah, yeah. Well, I th- I thought it had a great look, and there was something that I wanted to talk to you about, particularly uh, in the hidden, is when we the thing that we had talked about originally in the hidden, and I just. Distinctly, still remember you saying that we're going to use Agfa film, so that so that when we are shooting at night, we have depth going back and and that was the very first time that I started to understand the difference between the different the overall difference the chemical differences uh, between the stocks, which is something that nobody has to worry about anymore, but. Uh, but I, I, I mean, because if we had used and let me get this just just correct or, or, or try and get it correct. Um, if we had used Kodak, our blacks would have been blacker. Yes. And and it would have stopped our ability to see as wide as we did at night, which con- considering considering that ver- that uh, a lot of it is shot at night, you can see a long ways uh uh, with and especially with the the it, it kind of had a sodium vaporish look uh, that w- just just went for acres at night, which was which was a great effect. Well, I'm, the the idea was it's actually a contrast issue, right? If you have a lot of detail in the frame that's in the shadows, it's underlit. If you have a lower contrast film that can make a distinction in those shadows between and separate the tonality instead of it just being a black sort of, you know, monolith thing, that's what I was going for. 
to see also, more detail and shadows, which does give depth, but it's right. not it's not optical depth. It's a textural depth. But but do we worry about I mean, you you this, that was something that you had to think about at the beginning of the Correct. film. You had to right. think of of what type of film you were going to use and what uh, what those different stocks would give us. Now, uh, um, because you're baking it in, that's the thing. You're making a decision and you're baking it in. You can't change it in post. Everything can be changed in post. Now, the emotional right. intensity of the lighting can be made more harsh, all these things. Not so in the old days. We had to right. build all that expression in front of the camera. And part of it was the capture medium, how contrasty it was, how grainy it was, how sharp it was, how soft. But that was all baked in and you had to make a decision. It was right. Deal. Now, what was what were the, the, the overall differences between the film stock sheet? Kodak was known for it, its true blacks, um, deeper blacks, deeper but, blacks, but less it, contrast, but people, but, but people like that. They like that snappy look. It also was a finer grain film than the other, uh, manufacturers. Right. So, How about Fuji? Fuji was like at Agfa. It was, it was similar. It wasn't identical, but it was that same lower contrast, uh, material. And if you knew how to use it and light for it, you could really get a great look. You'd have very rich shadows. You could shoot scenes that were just in shadow and you could really see things. It wasn't like a problem. It was a look. It was, it was a positive. So right. I enjoyed right. it. To me, the more information you put on the film, the better off you are. That's what I uh, didn't like about Kodak. To me, it was scraping away some of my detail. But again, what cinematographers learned to do, they worked with Kodak. They knew that it had that little bit of an edge. So they knew how to put the extra light in and they balanced it and then got the best of both worlds. They had the, the, the snappy look, the low grain, and they got the lighting they wanted. They, they lit their way to that same low contrast look. There was another thing that you that that you commented that you have commented on or heard before that the that uh, the uh, in oh I just lost my thought I'm having the same scene in your moments I, <laughs> <laughs> well okay well, well let's go on um, to the next I, film I, I'm, yeah. I'm mentally only twenty five yeah so, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, you're doing better than I am. I'm mentally like seven. So, uh, <laughs> oh boy, that's a tough one. Well, well. Uh, so uh, then, then we went. We went through the hidden, uh, which uh, I thought was an amazing job on 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 your part. Well, certainly for the budget of these things and the schedule. Oh yeah, uh, uh, you know, schedules takes, were crazy. It, it takes skill. A, a, and. And very much skill of a good crew as well. So. Right. Right. Did you do a, a film called Mr. Christmas Dinner? I did. You did? Okay. Yes. Very good. I, I was Tony I, Perkins directing. Yes. Yes. That was a uh, working with Tony was a trip. Yeah. A little bit. That, that guy was a. Uh, he was interesting. I, I, I found him more. <laughs> I'll tell my favorite Anthony Perkins story is I, we were shooting. One set on a stage somewhere, 
And uh, I don't remember where we were, but I remember that they had a scene dock in back uh, where they put all the flats uh, were just, you know, nailed in back, you know, and, and there were gaps because some of them we had used some of them and stuff. And and he was. Everybody's is looking for. Anthony Perkins, I, they were they were looking all over the set, all over the set, and all, all over craft service and stuff like that. And I happened to be walking back. I can't remember why I was doing something else because I pretty much was ignoring everybody else's panic. And I happened to walk past the scene dock, and there's a there's Anthony Perkins standing between two flats. They're about three feet apart and one of them is a uh one of them is like a window flat and the other one is a door flat and he's looking at the door standing there he would be looking at the door for a minute and then he would turn around and he would turn around back the other way so that it was the back of the it was the back of the scene dock and then he would turn around and he would see the window and then he'd stop and he'd look at the window and the window is i you know they're only three, four feet apart. So they're right next to him. And then he reached out and he touched the window and then he turned around and he'd look at the door and he touched the door. And I can't, and I walked up and I go, uh, Anthony, you, you, you okay. And he goes, I can't seem to get out of this. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to lead him back to the set. <laughs> now I don't know what the rest of the day was like. To tell you the truth. I don't really remember. <laughs> But that one moment, I was like, hmm. <laughs> well, you know, the fact that he's a director. Um, hang on one second. Sure. Could, could you close the door? Because I'm recording something. <laughs> I have somebody visiting me to do something in my room. So sorry. OK, no problem. Because he's a creative type, you can get away with that. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> you know, he's in his own little world. Uh, right. I actually enjoyed working with him. Uh, yeah, I thought I, I thought he was very very nice guy to work with. No, but um, he taught me things about directing that because he was an actor, that things I didn't know. For example, he. He said to me, you always have to have an action in the scene, sometimes if it's inert. He'd say, if if nothing, you know, I read the scene, two people are talking. He said, if if it's two women and a woman is sitting at the table, I want her to be brushing her hair. I, you know, and I, it's an actor thing. But I right. realized it gives a lot to a scene. And sometimes, especially if this rehearsal time, it can cue off of a lot of things. So I knew that he was a a good director, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, you know, whether this was the exact right project for him, you know, yeah, sure, I, 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 I never understood exactly why he, he would have wanted to be involved in that at all. But, but, um, yeah, that, that was interesting. And, and it was something, and, and there was something about it that it being comedy that, um, I didn't understand. I, I, I am not, I understand filming i mean i mean better over the years but i i i understand the logic the logistics of filming i understand horror films very well um uh 
I have trouble with comedy <laughs> because I I read that script and um and it was hilarious. And then I saw and it was funny is because I got to see a lot of the iterations of it as as uh, it was uh, going through post and watching it. There was one time that we watched it with a group of, uh, uh, you know, kind of just people from New Line and stuff like that, uh, watched it without music. And I have to tell you, it was the hardest room. It was the hardest thing to sit through. Wow. I, it was hard. <laughs> and I, the, I thought it was a very wry, cheeky premise, actually. Uh, yeah. But maybe it, uh, you know, it's been so long since I've seen it. I have no idea. Maybe I'd well, be terribly embarrassed by it. I don't know. It, <laughs> well, I, What's, it, it's not Mr. Christmas Dinner anymore. It's something else. It's uh, Lucky Stiff. Lucky Stiff, right. It's now it's called Lucky Stiff. That's right. For those out yeah. there listening and want to look up that title. <laughs> Directed by Anthony Perkins. Yes. So, um, so it, anyway, I, I was just wondering if there was anything else that we had worked together on. Strays. Oh, you're on Strays. That was... I Can built you imagine the house, doing a movie with cats? <laughs> oh, my God. And using practical cats? <laughs> oh, my God. Being up in that canyon, because we had built that house in the canyon uh, for, the, for the set because uh, nobody wanted to... Trust me when I say you go out and you try and find a uh, somebody that will rent you their house to... Um, to film in for five weeks uh, with 30 cats. And everybody would just went, oh, are you kidding? <laughs> I know. And the thing is, I felt bad for the Wranglers because we, we, we were thinking those cats were like dogs. We just, just train them and get them. Oh, God. The cats are like, not like dogs. That's why they, oh, they are. That's where the, there's that joke quip about it's like trying to – Herd cats. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you do know that on the hidden. <laughs> you, you, you do know that that uh, that we kind of manipulated a certain shot on the hidden that had a dog in it. <laughs> you yeah. know that, right? Yes, I do. And, <laughs> that uh, was that was my. <laughs> I was on one side of the the the. J just to tell the story real quick is uh, we had a dog that. Um, we couldn't get a shot. We couldn't get the shot of him coming through. He wouldn't jump through the, um, it was a louvered door. Right. And so we literally went back to the same place and we put the louvered door in and, um, and there's, we, we tried to do it for like an hour. And finally, um, the guy who was my construction coordinator, <laughs> And I'm standing back there with him and he just reaches over and just took the dog and flung it through the door. <laughs> and everybody was super jazzed about it. And, and we walked away and I, I didn't, I didn't hear until after the film had come up, somebody said the story had gotten out that he'd actually said something about it. <laughs> I, I felt marginally bad about that. Yeah. The dog was not physically injured, right? Oh, Oh, of course not. No, it was a balsa wood door. I mean, you know, it, it was, uh, 
I mean, he might have been temporarily traumatized. You certainly are not supposed to do that kind of stuff. So, yeah, right. Yeah. Oh, and uh, yeah, but it sure makes for a great story. Yes. Yeah, but anyhow, herding cats. Oh, yeah. Oh, that was. uh, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it, 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 as Kathleen Quinlan played the lead, and she's a yeah. wonderful actress. Oh, she was it, and Timothy Busfield, right? Right, right. I I swear, I uh, both of those actors, I loved. I I loved them, and it, and the funny thing about it is that um, there's there was actually a uh, a group called me uh, maybe about a year ago got a hold of me and uh they uh they had like formed a like face uh facebook group that was dedicated to that film oh, wow. i was like really you like did that much <laughs> but i i do remember that there was a time that uh that as we were filming that they brought in a whole bunch of people from um from the studio, they brought in a bunch of people from the studio to uh, to move us along at the very end. Do you remember that? Well, I um, I'm not sure. I remember uh, John McPherson directed that. Do you remember him? Oh, I do. I remember him really well. Yeah, he was like a you know mainstream studio guy, and yeah, uh, it was, and he got plunked down into sort of an independent filmmaking yeah, every, milieu yeah, it, and was it not did, used to it. It did seem like he was a little bit, uh, everybody kept saying, yeah, well, he's a famous, he's, he was also a famous DP, right? Yeah. He, he made, right. he made the McPherson head. It was a, uh, wasn't it a camera that went in circles Oh, I'm not sure. I don't remember. It was certainly a tough spot for me having yeah. a DP as to, as my director. But, yeah, was, you know, I was curious about this. Hey, listen, yeah, he and I got along great. So, oh yeah, yeah. No, uh, I it, at least it was a pleasant place to film. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> up in that valley. Very challenging, though. Very challenging. Yeah. Oh, cats. What did we have? We had thirty cats. We had uh, twins. Uh, and we were doing rain gags in Topanga Canyon uh, at night. You, you can't just doesn't get any worse than that for scheduling. Yeah, and yeah. and oh man, you know, it's slogging around. And uh, TJ said that he wants to ask a question. Uh, TJ, yes, Jacques, what is your yes. favorite story from the set of Nightmare on Elm Street two? Favorite story? You mean behind the scenes? Yes. Oh my goodness! You know. My late wife was the focus puller on that film, and she knew all the set gossip because she followed it. She was a great focus puller, um, but I never did. I was always amazed at, like, I didn't know what was going on. So let me think about behind-the-scenes stuff. Well, I guess the rotating room, that's the famous story. To me, that was a marvel of individual and collaborative triumph. Mm-hmm. That rotating room between the mechanics, uh, the the engineer, which was uh, the head of the vis- the physical effects department. What was his name, Mick? Jim Doyle. Jim Doyle. So 
the whole concept of it and then us all working together to make that come out and have a great effect on film where it's just seamless and the audience is blown away. And even pros could not figure out retroactively how we did how, some of that stuff. How you, how you did the blood coming up out of the middle of the bed. Right. On a low budget movie. <laughs> yeah. That, that was a, that was a great trick. It really was. Yeah. There was that. And uh, also the way it came out of the, the way it came out of the fixture, but instead of just dropping down, like it was, it spread across the spread roof. Spread across the roof. Yeah. That yeah. was so cool. <laughs> using, using a, a, a forced perspective of gravity with that. That's why I, again, I say it's a triumph of individuals and the collaboration of an amazing visual effect that the audience has no idea what's going on. It's magic to them, but to us, it's a bunch of crazy geniuses working in concert, <laughs> working in concert to pull off a gag practically. Absolutely. And it's multi-layered. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing that. Yeah. That's yeah a, it's a, it's a, a mortal piece of film just it, as it, much as it, and it was inspired by Kubrick, by the way, the, uh, that piece of film of all that, uh, from 2001. Blood, no, no, the, from what? Shining. the Shining, oh, the elevator, the yeah. blood coming ah. out of the elevator, right? In <laughs> slow right. motion and spilling down the corridor. I know it's a completely different physical gag, but the emotional gag is exactly oh, the same. So, oh right, absolutely. We were inspired by Kubrick to do that gag. Oh, At least was... I was. That's what it was to me. And would... the way it came out on film, there, there are moments that first few seconds where the blood oozes out of that fixture and spreads across the ceiling. It's magic. Oh yeah. It's magic. Absolutely magic. Well, it looks like we're at the end of our time. Uh, Jacques, thanks so much for, uh, for, uh, just, uh, telling stories with us. And, uh, and, uh, I, I've always appreciated having you as a friend and, um, and you know what? I'm going to have you tell some more stories. Okay. It's very okay. sweet of you. I, as I always say, filmmaking is my passion. The art and the craft, how lucky we are to have participated in all of this and still am participating. It's a yeah. great, fun job. It's a very hard job. It's stressful. It's crazy. It, it, it can break your heart and, and make your day. It's, it really it, can. It can, it can. And, and, and the hours we work. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I mean, the highs were the high, the highs were incredible and the lows were just <laughs> awful to go through, but, but, uh, it evened out to be a great experience. Yeah, no, I'm very thankful for the journey I had in, as a filmmaker, still not over yet. Folks, there you go. <laughs> okay, buddy. Well, thank you very much. All right. Take care. Okay. See you later. Bye. Okay.
Thank mm-hmm. you.